Welcome again to our Good Friday service. I'm Graham, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Reach. Christians are strange, right? Some of you are thinking, yes, I knew it all along. But we are strange in the sense that we use a tool of torture, of pain and death as our symbol, the cross, right? We, we shine lights on the cross. We put it on our churches. We hang it around our neck. We stamp it in our journals. Now, if today we had a hangman's noose here, or maybe an electric chair, that would be a little bit confronting, wouldn't it? And yet, that's exactly what the cross is. The cross is an instrument of execution. But when we look at the cross, we see it as a source of hope, of redemption and life. Why is that? How did, how did this tool of punishment and death for criminals, how did it become our greatest source of hope? Because... Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on it. You see, thousands of other criminals were crucified on a cross. But only one said, it is finished as he died. Now, you could have been there and you could have expected a whole lot of other people to have said that. The Roman soldiers who were given the orders to execute him could have said, It is finished, right? Job done. He's dead. Could have been the high priests and the scribes who had seen Jesus as this major threat to them. And they had plotted and planned to get him killed. And now they could say, oh, it is finished. Threat dealt with. Or Pontius Pilate looking on, right? The Roman governor of Judea. He was so concerned about the potential political unrest that this man, Jesus, was causing. He could have looked and gone, oh, it is finished. Problem dealt with. I can go on about my business. Or even his disciples, right? They had put all their hopes in him. They had left careers. They had left families to follow him. They thought Jesus was going to do something big in Israel. And it seemed like all hope was lost. It was coming down to this, and Jesus was dying, and they could have said, it's finished. Yet it was Jesus, the one on the cross, who said these three words, it is finished. So what did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished? You know that there was actually a lot more that Jesus said and did after this, right? He was buried He rose again three days later. That's a pretty big deal. He appeared to his disciples and to over 500 other eyewitnesses. He taught for another six weeks before ascending to his Father in heaven. So there's a lot more that Jesus actually did after this moment. But at this moment, he says it is finished. So what did he mean? Um, the, the root meaning of the Greek word here for finished is the word teleo, which is where we get our English word for telescope from, right? It means reaching its aim, 
bringing something into completion, but it also means bringing something into complete focus. Right? I don't know if you've ever seen those old pirate telescopes that kind of extend one segment at a time. Jesus' whole life had been building for this moment. Everything he did, everything he said, everything he taught was actually leading to this moment. It's like every segment of that telescope, as it was being extended, was bringing this moment into focus. You see, most people are remembered for their life. But with Jesus, he is most remembered for his death. See, when Jesus said, it is finished, he was talking about his need to suffer for sin. Not his own sin, right? He was completely innocent. But our sin, as he was suffering on that cross, it was for the sins of the whole world. This is what it says. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. You see, it was, it was custom that at crucifixion, they would have this jar of sour wine, this crude wine that they would offer to the criminals as a small way of easing their suffering, just a little. And when Jesus had been offered the wine earlier in the day, he said, no, no. He didn't want anything to distract him from what he had to go through. He didn't want anything to ease what he had to face. And then he got to this moment where he said, it's complete. I know it's complete. And he said, I thirst. At that moment, he could take just a little relief because his suffering was finished. But you look at this man, you go, why did he have to suffer in the first place? What had he done wrong? You see, God as creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in the earth, is holy, absolutely holy. He is pure. There is no evil in him. There is no duplicity in him. There are no mixed motives in him. He cannot be bribed. He cannot be corrupted. He is pure. Therefore, nothing impure can come into his presence. Do you realize that that means you and I cannot come before him? We cannot enter his presence as we are because we've sinned. We're unholy, right? There is no one here today who can say, I've never done a wrong thing. There is no one here today who say, well, I've always done and said the right thing. Our own consciences will tell us that that is not true. You see, sin stains. It leaves a mark. And it's not as if we can say, like, yeah, you know, everybody sins and I've, I've done some bad things, but I've done a whole bunch of good things too, and that kind of balances it out. No, that's not how it works. Sin leaves a stain. 
That stain is still there. I don't know if you've ever spent time with a, with a truly godly person. Like, I don't mean someone who's super religious. I mean someone who's really godly. And you spend time with them. I don't know about you, but when I do that, suddenly I feel, it just highlights how selfish and sinful I really am. How much more so when we look at God who is completely holy. You see, God cannot forgive sin until it's been paid for. Right? God is angry at Sin, do we realize that? You see, God doesn't just attend nice church services like this. He sees everything. He sees every crime. He sees every abuse. He sees every lie. He sees it all. And he also sees everything that goes on in your life. You see, the Bible tells us that there is a cup of God's wrath, his anger at sin. And, and the night Jesus was portrayed, he was in the garden and he was pleading with his heavenly father, take this cup, take this cup from me, this cup of your wrath, your anger at sin, take it away from me. But then he also said, not my will be done, but your will be done. You see, on the cross, Jesus took that cup, the cup of God's wrath. It was poured out on him. Every last drop, Jesus drank it to the dregs. Jesus takes the hit for us. The, the innocent for the guilty. The righteous for the unrighteous. That's why we love the cross. That's why the cross is so beautiful to us. That's why we can sit and we can sing and rejoice in it. Because God himself, Jesus Christ, took my sin and he paid for it on that cross. All of it. All of it. That I may go free. But what's our response to that? What's our response to it is finished? You see, sometimes in our human nature, we want to pay, right? We want to at least contribute and say, oh, we did something as well. You know, this, this week, a, a good friend of mine took me out for lunch to a really nice restaurant. And he said, it's my treat. It's my shout. And you know, I struggled with that because I thought, I, I want to contribute, right? I want to give something to it. You know, my, my pride gets in the way. I, think, I can't just be on you. You know, we do that with the cross. When we look at the cross and go, oh, that's a great place to start. But I'll just add good works to that, right? I'll just show God how good I am, right? Thanks for the start, God. I've got it from here. Or we can think that, you know, we, we, we just need to add a little, bit, a little bit more suffering, right? When Jesus said it is finished, it is paid in full, well, not quite. I, you know, if I suffer just a little bit, then that's not how it works. Imagine a famous artist who tells you you're very dear to them and says, I want to give you my prized piece. I have painted this beautiful picture just for you. It is 
priceless in value. And when you go to pick up this picture, you look at it and it is beautiful, beautiful. But you say to the artist, well, it's, thanks for that, but it's not, it's not quite finished. Do you mind if I, if I borrow some of your paint and just, you know, just dab a little bit or the clouds are not quite right, maybe the tree? How do you think that artist would feel? Right? What an insult. He would say, don't you see? It is, it is finished. You can't add anything to it. Or maybe if you said to the artist, well, oh, thank you so much. That's really, really kind of you. Can I, can I give you something for the paint or, or the frame? You know, just here's, here's $5. How hurtful would that be? Right? It's a gift. It's a gift. It costs me everything, but it costs you nothing. Guys, and the reason we do this is, is pride. Pride stops us. We think, no, we need to do something. Right? But the truth is, nothing, nothing in my hand I bring. Only to your cross I cling. Right? I can bring nothing, and yet I receive everything. I receive forgiveness of sins. I receive freedom. And that means now I can enter freely into his presence because I have received his righteousness has come upon me. Do you realize that on the cross, he not only takes your sin, but he gives you his righteousness. His righteousness. Don't let pride stop you from coming to the cross. We all need the cross. No one ever has so few sins that they don't need the cross. And no one has too many sins that the cross is not big enough for. You know, when I was 21, I, I went to an alpha course, actually. And for 10 weeks, I struggled with who is Jesus? I wrestled, I prayed, I read, I researched. And finally, I just got to the point, Jesus is who he said he was. And I realized that I could bring nothing, right? I couldn't claim to be a, big, a good person. I, I, if honestly, I, I thought I was a pretty good person. But I couldn't impress God with, with the good things I've done. And I knew that he knew all those things that I had done that, that weren't very good. And I remember the day I said to him, you're Lord. You're Lord, not me. And I remember being on my bedroom floor and just pouring out my heart to him. And I, I was naming and confessing my sin. Right? I was naming them specifically. And I'd name a whole bunch, and then a whole bunch more would come to mind, and then a whole bunch more would come to mind. And then there was stuff that I didn't even know was sin would come to mind, and I was confessing this. And you know, the strange thing is, the more I did this, the, the lighter I felt, the cleaner I felt. It was as if he just took this weight off me. And then he gave me his righteousness. You know, I didn't I didn't suddenly have all the answers and I still struggle with some things. But that day, that day, joy and peace flooded my heart. 
right? I was forgiven. I was accepted. I could now know him and be known by him, right? And he has been my joy and my strength ever since. It is finished. Jesus paid it all. If you're here this morning and you've never come to the cross, you've never thought you needed the cross, you might have think, I've got, I'm pretty good. I don't need the cross. Or maybe you're thinking, you have no idea what I've done. I want to say to you that the cross is big enough for all that. Come to the cross. Come and lay everything down at the cross and allow him to raise you up. You know, there might be some of us here this morning who've walked with the Lord a long time. But we still struggle with this idea that we need to add to the cross. Somehow we need to suffer. And we forget that Jesus has paid it all. It is finished. I would love to pray with you. So if you will stand with me and let's pray. And after that, we are going to sing of our glorious Savior. Because you see, on that cross, if you ever struggle with what does it mean to be loved? You look at that cross, the depth that he would go to for you and for me. You know that you are loved. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we stand at the foot of your cross this morning. Lord, I pray that we would be humbled that the God of heaven in all his majesty would give that up, would come down, would live as a, as a man who would take the hit for me, who would offer himself as a sacrifice for sins and give us his righteousness. Lord, we just want to say thank you. Father, I pray that this is just not a religious Good Friday moment, but this is truly a moment where there are people who might be struggling with the concept of the cross. Lord, I pray that you would help them, that you would call them to the foot of the cross. They would know that they can come and bring their sin to you and that you will raise them up. Lord Jesus, we love you and we say again, thank you for the cross. Amen.